Are you sick of hearing you don't have enough experience to get work? Visit iPath.com to get the first part of our auto damage certification for free. Hello and welcome to the Independent Adjuster Podcast by IAPath. My name is Chris Stanley, and we're here to help you figure out how to get work in this industry and ultimately how to claim your life. Hey everybody, Max Olson here. You're listening to the Independent Adjuster Podcast by IA Path. And today we're gonna to talk a little bit about hail because hail provides us with a ton of business. But how is hail actually formed? That's what we're gonna go into today. So here's the question. How do independent adjusters and appraisers like us who can't hide behind corporate logos, processes and profits we're spending our own money and reputation. How do we work in a way that lets us get work, assignments, deployments, and more income without wasting time or money in this world of insurance while we stand out in the crowd? That is the question, and this podcast will help guide you to the answers. My name is Chris Stanley, and this is the Independent Adjuster Podcast. Join myself and other independents on the path to non-corporate success in the insurance industry. We are IAs. All right, everybody, let's get into it. We're talking today about hail, and man, hail seems like the furthest thing from my mind right now. It's about 20 degrees here in Oklahoma City. We've had ice the past few days, causing a lot of accidents, even some major 100-plus car pileups in uh, Oklahoma City, Dallas area, so a lot of work coming from that. But on average, we'll get our first hailstorm here in about a month. Usually we'll get at least one hailstorm in March somewhere in the state, sometimes more. We had a couple hailstorms uh, last March that got me a, a little bit busy. Then as we got into April and May, they just kept coming one after another. It was a crazy year for hail in Oklahoma last year. Not a ton in the metro area, mostly out west. Places like Elk City got battered with baseball-sized hail a couple different times in May. Uh, and April. It was just pretty crazy. But how is hail actually formed? Now, we're not going to go into some intense meteorological discussion. We're just going to try and give you a baseline understanding of what sort of things we're looking for when we're talking about a large hail event. Now, baseline understanding of thunderstorms. This is something that I'm going to be using terminology from. I'm not going to use anything too intense. We're just going to talk over some basic terms that you need to know when you're talking about a thunderstorm that's producing hail. First off, there's two types of storms that are gonna be producing hail. The first one is your general pulse thunderstorm. You can think of these as kind of the afternoon thunderstorms that happen every year. Dozens of times a year you get these afternoon thunderstorms and this would be kind of on the stronger end of those pulse thunderstorms that would produce hail. But the bigger hail comes from supercell thunderstorms. Now, what is the difference between the two? A basic afternoon kind of pulsing thunderstorm and a supercell thunderstorm? Well, the one major characteristic that's different is what's called a rotating updraft. But what is an updraft? Let's rewind back a little bit and go into the very basics of a thunderstorm. There's two parts. There's an updraft 
and there's a downdraft. What goes up must come down, right? And you can think of this kind of as a lung. The storm, as it's forming, the cloud billows up. That's the updraft. It's the cloud going up, and it's breathing in all the warm, moist air around it like a lung. Once it gets to a certain altitude, it's condensing, it's forming precipitation, and then that falls back down to earth as rain or hail, and that is the downdraft. And that is basically it. It's an updraft, it goes up, downdraft comes down as the precipitation. The updraft is the actual cloud. You see the darkness underneath it. If you're further away, you see the white billowing towers, and then it falls down. You see the sheets kind of of rain. You guys all know what rain looks like when it's coming. You guys all know what I'm talking about. But what's kind of that difference between a storm that's just gonna produce maybe rain and some small hail and giant baseball softball size hail. Well, that updraft is the key component. The general afternoon pulse thunderstorm just has a regular updraft, but the supercell thunderstorm has a rotating updraft. Now there's a lot of atmospheric conditions that have to come together to allow an updraft to rotate, but that's the difference. The updraft on a regular pulse storm isn't rotating. The updraft on a supercell is and when an updraft rotates it's inherently stronger the processes that allow that updraft to become a rotating updraft increase the internal velocity increase the speed at which the hail production can form we're going to get into that in a minute let's also talk about some of the other differences between a regular thunderstorm and a supercell thunderstorm Another thing to think about with the updraft and the downdraft on a pulse storm, afternoon storm versus a supercell is the separation of the two. On a general pulsing afternoon thunderstorm, that updraft is gonna go up, the precipitation is going to form, and then it's gonna fall back down through the updraft, cooling it and therefore extinguishing that influx of warm moist air because that rain cooled air is falling back down through the updraft it's cooling it that process will lead to the storm eventually dying whereas a supercell the atmospheric conditions around it allow the storm to ventilate the precipitation out and away from it so that updraft doesn't get that rain cooled air falling back through it it is pushed off normally to the northeast of the storm and that allows for the updraft to continuously pull in that warm, moist air, allowing it to go for a much longer period of time because it's not being choked off by its own rain-cooled precipitation. Now, the actual hailstone, right? We've kind of delineated between the afternoon pulsing thunderstorm and the supercell. So we've got a supercell. It's got this massive rotating updraft. It's ventilating its precipitation downstream so that it's not choking off that warm, moist air flowing into the updraft. Now inside that updraft, there's a lot going on. You've got drops of water that are being shot up at 100 miles per hour in that updraft into the upper portions of the atmosphere where it's so cold that it begins to freeze. Now that process will happen again and again. That water droplet will go up, it'll start to freeze, it'll start falling back down to earth, and then it'll get caught back up in the updraft, and it's just kind of a cyclic process. And every time it's doing that, it's getting a little bigger. It's adding more water droplets together, 
shooting back up and freezing and then falling back down, adding more you know, particles of water. And it's just a cyclic process that happens time and time again until it gets to a point where an equilibrium is reached. The updraft can no longer support that piece of ice because it is now too heavy and then inevitably it's gonna fall all the way down to earth as a hailstone. And the cool thing is, if you've ever taken a hailstone and cut it in half, you can actually see that process. It's like cutting a tree in half. You can see the various rings where the storm has pulled it back up, dropped it down, caught back up, added more ice or more water particles, which then freeze in the upper portions of the atmosphere, the upper portions of the updraft. And it's just an amazing process. It's a really cool thing to see. So eventually, you know, some of these storms are allowing these water droplets and ice particles colliding together to get up to the size of a baseball. Now imagine that. It has to take an immense amount of power in that updraft to allow that to happen until it gets to that size. That just kind of shows you the power of some of these storms. It's incredible. Now why is it that this process happens so often in the Great Plains but not as much elsewhere? That has to do with the meteorological conditions that come together time and time again over that place. And it's a reason why tornadoes form there because supercells not only form hail, they're gonna form tornadoes as well when the conditions are perfect. Now these conditions that are coming together, two of the main ones are wind shear and instability. Wind shear is the changing of speed and direction with height. So you can think of a wind coming out of the south at the surface and then up at 500 millibars, which is about the height where planes are flying, it's coming out of the west. So it's south at the surface, west high up in the atmosphere. That's a change of direction with height, and usually the winds at the surface will only be 5 to 10 knots, where the winds up at 500 millibars, where planes are flying, will be 60, 70, 80 knots. So that changing of wind speed and direction with height is called wind shear. That's what helps create that supercell. And then instability is kind of what gets the whole thing going. It's like the juice in the atmosphere. And once a fuse is lit, so maybe a cold front's coming through or there's a dry line or there's a boundary, there's you know a collision of air, that's what sparks the storm, then it sucks in all that instability or that warm, moist air. The wind shear shapes the storm for it to be able to rotate and ventilate that precipitation away from it, and you just kind of have this perfect concoction that allows this to happen. Now, you can get large hail just about anywhere, it's just the frequency of that pattern unfolding happens most commonly over the central United States. You got the Rocky Mountains to the west, you got the Gulf of Mexico to the southeast providing that warm, moist air. These systems come over the Rocky Mountains and they deepen, they pull in that warm, moist air, and that's kind of how you get that stage set time and time again for severe weather. And there's a lot of other ways that these storms can form, but Basically, what I'm getting at is this can happen anywhere. It just happens a lot more frequently in that region. We've seen hail, you know, that big. We've seen golf ball size hail larger in Phoenix, Arizona. We've seen it happen in southeastern states in the northeast. It just kind of takes the right setup, the right conditions coming together to allow that to happen. But a lot of times you'll see these conditions coming together over Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, the Dakotas. Minnesota, Iowa, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana. These are the regions that are seeing hail a lot. And I have been to hailstorms here in Oklahoma City. I've been on hailstorms in Dallas, hailstorms in Midland. Uh, in fact, this last year when I was out in Midland with James Mathis, they had had 
two back-to-back hailstorms. In a few weeks, they had two baseball-sized storms. I think one hit the north side of town, and then a week later, one hit the south side of town. Um, When I was in San Angelo, Texas earlier this year, a storm developed over town right about dinner time, and it just sat there for three hours. This is one of those rare circumstances where everything together uh, came together for a supercell to be able to form and just sit in one spot. Now, to wrap this section up about hail, I want to tell you guys a little story about one of my uh, storm chases and one of my scariest encounters with hail to date. Uh, it was May 16th, 2017, and we started off the day in the Texas Panhandle. We knew this was going to be a big tornado day, and we were really excited because it's really sparse terrain out there. Not a lot of things that you know can be hit, and that also means not a lot of roads. So that was something we're gonna have to contend with, but it looked like a really classic tornado setup. So we get on our first storm east of Amarillo, and we follow it for a little while, and within an hour, we see our first tornado near the town of McLean, Texas, which is right on I-40, and it's just this beautiful, elephant trunk shaped tornado out in the middle of nowhere and we got some great photos and video of that and we got a little bit of hail there we got some you know golf ball sized stones nothing too crazy Um, and we were able to get out of that and go down 40 east because there was another storm that was coming up from the south that looked even better than the one that had just produced the tornado Uh, And the one that had just produced a tornado was also subsequently going into an area with very poor roads. We wouldn't really have much of a shot to keep up with it. So we're like, okay, we'll drop uh, east and south and get on this new storm that's coming into Oklahoma. And we got just on the other side of the Oklahoma-Texas border set up and watched this storm come right at us. And it was beautiful. These supercells, you know, like I said, they have this rotating updraft. And you get these kind of spirals or striations around the updraft that kind of make it look like an alien mothership. And it's just an absolutely beautiful sight because this thing is 60,000 feet tall and it's coming right at you. And there's these feeder bands that are like a conveyor belt pulling in warm, moist inflow and they stick out of the storm like tentacles just pulling in all this mass of warm, moist air cloud material and then spinning it up into this beautiful big updraft. And uh, we know this thing is likely about to produce a big tornado. It's getting into the most primed environment in the country, and it looks really impressive. The only thing is we have one road that'll get us north and east to get back in position. Now, we're sitting there with a dilemma. We can go at any time north and east and reposition. But when we do that, we're basically going to put ourselves in a point where we can't really see a tornado very well if it forms. If we stay right where we're at and a tornado forms, we'll have a great shot. But if the tornado doesn't form before it gets to us and we wait too long, we're going to get in big hail before we can reposition to the north and east to try again. So we're sitting there, we're waiting, the rotation is increasing. We know our window is getting shorter and shorter for being able to reposition north and east without getting into the big hail. But man, this thing looks like it's about to drop a tornado. And if it does, it's going to come right in front of us, going to have a great shot. Well, it doesn't drop a tornado. It doesn't drop a tornado. And we're sitting there now knowing that in order to reposition for another play on the storm, we have to go through the hail. Now, earlier the hail had been golf ball size in the other storm we were on, so we knew that we could handle that no problem, but this storm looked a little more mean than that last one, and it was. We started off with sporadic tennis ball size hailstones, and you would just see one hit, 
and then there wouldn't be one for a few seconds. And then on the other side of the road, boom, one would hit. And we kind of looked at each other and go, uh oh, I hope this is as big as it gets. Well, we get north and then we finally make our east turn. Now we can see the clear air a few miles ahead. Just to our south is where the tornado is probably forming, but we don't have a good visual since we're still kind of in that rain hail core. We just got to get to that clear air to the east and we'll have a perfect vantage point. Well, those sporadic stones turned into not so sporadic stones and those tennis ball sized stones turned into baseballs and softballs. It was almost immediate that we started losing glass. And I remember even just before that first impact of the windshield, watching this softball sized hailstorm hit the grass right beside the road, bounce up over our vehicle, and then land on the other side of the road. Imagine that power, that thing is traveling very fast. And then one hits the windshield, and then one hits the back glass. The back glass immediately shatters, the windshield stays intact, but it's, it's got this concaved section from where the stone hit. It's not just cracked, it's completely blown in and concaved. There's little bits of glass everywhere. The exterior of the car is just getting beat to death. We get bang, bang, one, two more on the windshield. Thankfully, it's kind of right in the center where they're hitting um, just by luck. So uh, my storm chase partner who was driving was able to still see but um, you know, we were both getting covered in glass shards. I'm sitting there with my eyes closed just with the camera pointed out the front windshield, just hoping we gotta get there. We're only a few miles away from the clear air. We just gotta get there. And we did. We got there with, uh, you know, we, we lost the back glass. We lost one of the side windows and we had these three giant indentations in our windshield, just these baseball size concaved, you know, leftovers from where the hailstone hit. And, uh, you know, if you've ever been in hail, it's loud. Like even quarter size hail is loud. When you're talking about baseball to softball size hail, it sounds like you're getting bombed just over and over again. And it's scary and you've got glass going in your face. It's not a pleasant experience. Would not recommend that. The car was completely totaled, but you know, it's a storm chase car, so whatever. But I mean, even on the A pillar, there's giant, giant dents with paint cracked. The roof looks like it's about to cave in because of all the baseball size hail indentations on it. I think he ended up replacing the hood because it was so bad. The lights were cracked. I mean, this thing, uh, you'd look at it and you'd just start laughing with how beat up it was. And it had been through some other hailstones prior. But all in all, we got in position and a tornado formed right in front of us. It was, uh, you know, overall good chase other than the fact that you know, we had a nice bill for uh, getting some new glass because the next few days were going to be really active. We wanted to be storm chasing and we couldn't storm chase with no glass. We had to go get that fixed, but that was uh, that was definitely one of the scariest hail intercepts that I've had so far. So anyways, guys, hopefully now you know a little bit more about hail. We kind of talked about the basics of, you know, types of thunderstorms, how the hailstone is actually formed, areas that receive more hail than others, and then a story. So that is it for this week's episode of the Independent Adjuster Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you all on the next one. Are you dreaming of a career in auto damage, but find yourself not meeting the experience requirements? 
you can try the first part of our seven part auto damage certification for free. This allows you to dive deep into auto damage training with no strings attached. And if you love it, you can continue on and purchase the full program. With this certification, you gain not just in-depth knowledge and skills, but also an all-access pass to our exclusive community, a full year of mentorship, and yes, get the two to five year experience requirement waived with over 40 firms. Your future in auto damage begins today. Visit iPath.com to start your free trial and discover where iPath can take you. iPath. Claim your life.